Hey everyone and welcome to Already Cancelled, I'm Peter, that is Connor and we are going to talk about Star Trek The Next Generation Season 2 Episode 15, it is called Pen Pals. So, full spoilers for the episode as always. This episode has two main plots, uh, they're, they're somewhat a little you know, related but... Uh, you know, Wesley has the B-plot, he's given his first command, he's given a little team to be in charge of, to do some science work, because they're in a sector where all the planets seem to be dying, and I'm not sure why, so they're kind of investigating that. And then the main plot is that Data kind of, well, not quite accidentally, because he is intentionally sort of sending out signals as a sort of pet project, but uh, he does encounter someone broadcasting from a planet. But the planet they're broadcasting from, this little girl, is not, um, you know, past first contact. Therefore, they're not supposed to interact as part of the Prime Directive. And it creates a bit of a pickle uh, on the ship as far as what they have to do, especially since this planet they're on is kind of dying. So it, like the conundrum. it leads to some debates. And obviously, that's where the episode really kind of goes. So uh, that, is, uh, that is the gist of the episode. Uh, Connor, did you enjoy Pen Pals? It's not the best. It's not terrible. Um, the data side is is all right. It's not anything particularly great, but it's fine. Uh, the, the worst side does drag it down a bit, or mm. more than a bit. Let's be honest. It's it's uh it's pretty pretty rough. Now, I don't like the Wesley stuff either. The Wesley stuff is uh just kind of one note. Like it sets up this idea that he's you know it's just him learning to be in command and learning to sort of keep his respect and. You know, there's a whole debate at the start about, oh, should we give him command this early? And, you know, some of them are arguing for it, some are arguing against, and how it'll shape him as a young man going through adolescence and yada, yada, yada. Uh, but even if he fails, he'll learn some valuable lessons and so on and so on. And we get a couple of scenes of him sort of, like, second-guessing himself as he's because he has to pick the members. He's got, like, a, his pick of the science officers to uh, put on this, on this little team. And, you know, there's the one guy who kind of questions him a little bit, not in a dickish way. He just kind of, like... You know, naturally, because he's older, because he's like, you know, he's like, and he's twenties or whatever he is. And, and let's be honest, more qualified. Probably much more qualified, but that's not the point of this. The point is to train Wesley in command. He has to learn to keep his keep his cool and give out orders and uh, maintain the respect of his of his uh, of his crew. Do you, so, know, do you know where he might learn that? At, at the academy. Away from the okay, show is what you're saying. Yeah, I am. Yeah, but the yes. is, all these other junior junior members of the ship that have been through the academy, maybe they could do with a you know a self confidence boost of hey, let's let's give them a turret command. Maybe they do. Maybe they've all had turns. Well, maybe, but I just I don't know. I know. Wesley's an odd case because by t taking him on the Enterprise when his mother left, they kind of like there was a whole thing in that first episode of the season where it was like, oh, we're kind of taking on. the on board the, the parenting side of this as well. Remember that? There was a whole joke yeah. at the end about each one of them filling in a different part of the role. Uh, Worf offered to tuck him in at night or something like that. That was a joke at the uh, end. I, I recall. Yeah. Yes. Uh, so it's a, it's a little bit different to the others in that sense. Uh, but it becomes a little bit one note because, you know, ultimately he they're, they're doing scans of various things and he wants to do this extra type of scan on this one planet and the others and his team kind of say ah that you know i'll take like five hours to do and it's unlikely to turn anything up so it seems like it's a waste of time and they kind of talk him out of it and he goes to talk to Riker and explains this to Riker and Riker gives him a whole speech and i didn't i didn't hate this speech actually because he, he kind of uh 
he talks about Picard and he's like, well, when, you know, what does Picard do? And he's like, well, Picard would get everyone's opinions. Yeah, but then what would happen? He's like, well, then he makes his choice. And he's like, well, once he makes his choice, does any do any of us question him? He's like, well, no, of course not. He's Captain Picard. And he's like, why do you think that is? Um, I thought that part of the speech was all right. Sure. But yeah, what it was. Um, uh, so then he goes back and orders the, the test. And you think that maybe this guy will argue with them more, and he doesn't. When he gives him an order, the guy's like, yeah, fair enough. All right. <laughs> Start right away. Um, yeah. And so, it, like... It's, it, I mean, the story beat's fine. It's, it's just very kind of like, like because there was no opposition when he went back. It was kind of like, okay, well, <laughs> okay, lesson learned. <laughs> it, it feels weird that they didn't just do that the first time when he said, "Hey, let's do this." Yeah, well, no, but the point is, he had to come back and assert himself. That's not my. That's not my problem. My problem with it is that when he came back, is that it, it was just that was it. Okay, it, it done. Was too easy. No, no, but that's my point. Is it, it felt like if they were gonna just to go, all right, then we'll, we'll do it straight away when he came back. Why didn't they just do that the first time? Oh, because the point is, is he asserted himself when he came back the second time. Uh, okay. It, it it didn't feel that different when it, you know to me, but fair enough. No, I got that it was a little bit different. I felt the difference. Uh, I just, it just felt weird. Like, it felt like they were setting up a plot where the, he was really going to have to, like, you know, show his authority and put his foot down. And he didn't really, I mean, all he really did was say, no, I really want those tests run. He's like, yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> plot over. Uh, more, I mean, more or less. I mean, they just show up later to give their findings because it relates to the other plot. But other than that, that's Wesley's plot over. Outside it's, of a, it's a thank you at the end from Raker. Yeah, it's a lot of time for very, very little actual character advancement. Yeah, most most of it is just kind of reiterating the same things early on as he's asking for advice and like uh, Riker and Troy are kind of saying, ah, oh, sometimes you have to also be kind of be their counselor and you have to like understand where they're coming from and yada yada yada. Yeah, uh, and that was fine. Um, honestly, though, the data stuff I didn't dislike. Um, I actually thought it led to an interesting debate. Uh, so he starts talking to this uh, Sharenka, I think her name was Serjanka, maybe. Um, yeah, and cool. he, he talks to her and then she starts the, the second time he speaks to her or whatever maybe some time has passed uh, she starts to say she's scared because of what's happening on the planet there's like eruptions and things like that earthquakes atomic plates are shifting because of what's going on and the, the dilithiums you know we find out later it's dilithium sort of yes. deposits underneath planetary shenanigans is, is what this basically boils down to yeah but it's but, happened throughout the whole system yeah and so Data goes to Picard, who's in the holodeck. In fact, the episode started with Picard in the holodeck. He wanted to go riding the horse, and Troy's with him for the exposition reason of having him explain why he wants to do this. Because he, he likes horses. Well, yeah, but it sets up the themes of the episode. Um, because he uh, he talks about uh, how, you know, he wants a companion, and you know, Troy kind of realises that it's not, it's not just a pet. You want someone who's a companion who is sort of by your side, and that you want to care for the animal, but you want the animal to care blah, blah, blah. But it, it essentially says that what Data is going to go through in this episode is what Data is going to care for someone. Uh, and it's not someone who's just a pet. It's someone who actually cares about is it. Uh, I mean, maybe an equal is not quite the right term, but... Yeah, I think equal is stretching it a little. Um, but not a pet, it definitely. I, I agree with that. It's it's more respect than that. Um, that's, that's a whole different level of... That would be quite demeaning, frankly, given that it's a person. Yes. Uh... 
So, but no, it's just sort of themes of the episodes, and it, it kind of shows why Picard understands Data when things happen later. Because, you know, in, in many ways, he should be pissed at Data, because Data has kind of stumbled into breaking the Prime Directive. Because Data comes out of the, the holodeck where Picard's with his horse, because he, he got interrupted earlier. That's why that's why he's back in the holodeck. He got interrupted because, like, hey, these plots are all dying up here. That's how the episode started. And he co- Data comes down and explains, okay, so I made contact with this being, this young girl, humanoid, and he's like, well, does she know where you're calling from? And he's like, well, I've kept that vague, sir. I've, I've not you know, specified that I'm on a starship or anything like that. Um, he's like, okay. And he explains, okay, she's getting scared. Her family are all down there. Their planet's suffering from the same thing. I'm hoping that we can maybe find the cause and reverse it. Yada, yada, yada. My favorite part of this scene, though, is when Picard says, uh, and you want us to help them. Uh, has her planet uh, been in contact with space before? Are you are they... You know, have they broken that boundary? Are they in space, you know, in travel and things like that? And it goes, eh, no, sir. He's like, oops. <laughs> Picard just responds with, oops. Uh, and he's like, okay, we'll look into it, but you, you have to sever all communication. You can't talk to her again. And he's like, I understand, sir. And that's kind of that. But it leads to this really good scene in, in Picard's room and his quarters, uh, which I, I don't know if we've seen his quarters that much. We've seen his ready room a lot. I don't know if we've seen his quarters as much couple of times i'm sure um i remember in the in the in the first season a bit like you know when uh episode where we found out about his previous ship oh so we had, sure like, the, yeah the chest in his yeah. in his room didn't we it's definitely the first time we've had a meeting with all the characters in his ready in his room is that as if as if it was the uh the the thingy room yeah ready room the ready room yeah i said his ready room he's he's his office and then his then there's the ready room his quarters yeah, yeah. Uh, no, no, that's not his quarters. This is his quarters. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I was specifying the, the the ready room and the quarters. No, 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 no. There's three rooms here. You're, okay. You, you're mixing things up. The ready room is the meeting room. Yeah. Right? Picard's also got his little office room off the bridge. Yes. Which is what I was referring to before. See, the, the office one is what I would refer to as his ready room. But that's not what he calls it. He calls the, the meeting room the ready room. I know. But just generally speaking, that, it, it, that seems like a weird choice to me. It doesn't matter what you want to call it, it's what he calls it on the show. <laughs> I'm just saying, it seems inconsistent with ship logic. What, what do you want from? I, I'm going by the terminology used. I was correcting myself because I incorrectly called his little office room as the ready room. When it isn't really the ready room, they've called the other thing the ready room, repeatedly. Okay. <laughs> of course, now that I've said that, someone's going to correct me and make me look like an idiot. But I'm pretty sure they've repeatedly called that meeting room the ready room. Anyway... We're his quarters and everyone's there. Uh, not Wesley, of course, because why would he be in this conversation? But, like, all the main characters are there. And it becomes this debate of, like, well, what do we do? Like, this this planet is dying, there's a civilization on there, there's a population, and they're dying. And Data wants to help, because he cares for one of them now, he cares for this girl. And it becomes this for and against based on the Prime Directive, and we have people arguing for it and people arguing against. The idea that this is kind of fate, if you believe in fate, and that this, if they're destined to die because they're always going to die at this point, then that's that's what it is. But then the alternate point that's brought up by, from Troy is that, yeah, but if fate's in play here, then aren't we a part of that too, because we're here, and we could intervene. Maybe that's kind of what's supposed to happen, which, you know, is a bit of a pickle. Um, and... You know, honestly, the idea of fate and cosmic fate and all that's kind of an interesting thing to bring up in Star Trek because ultimately it's not really a system that's driven by beliefs or anything like that in, in that sense. No, because we, we have no or very, very little concept of religion in, in these shows. 
Yeah. And uh, and you know and, and Dura, I'm not saying you know this is a religion, but you know the the belief in fate is is religious in its in its own right. Yeah. Um, more interesting part for me though is just the idea of like well or not we should intervene that's kind of using this as an argument to it for and against but they're only one set of arguments the other arguments being that well technically if they're calling data and asking for help she is actually asking for help now which is is it makes it a, bit, a little bit different it's kind of a technicality it's, uh, it, it's circular because she's only asking for help from data because he broke it in the first place yeah um and it's like, oh, she can't ask for help for someone she doesn't know. And Data's like, well, no, she does know me. And Picard's like, well, this is this is difficult because, like, okay, you're saying that this is just a, you know, a, a natural occurrence, yes, but we could possibly fix it without them knowing we exist. Okay, sure, right? And, you know, Pulaski being a doctor's like, no, we should intervene. This is life down there. And uh, that's also Data's point. And it's interesting coming from Data being the non-humanoid, or well, not he's humanoid, but you know what I mean, the non-human, the, the non-organic life form in go. the group, <laughs> is that he says, no, this isn't a debate of, like, right or wrong. This is, a, this is these are people. These are life forms that we should save because they're life. Uh, surely that's a duty we should have, but if they're in trouble, it's helping others, right? Just because they don't understand... Uh, or advanced ways yet doesn't mean that they aren't deserving of help uh, they didn't say all those words i'm, I'm kind of you know extrapolating it in, yeah. um, but uh so really good arguments and then picard says well yeah but like if we help them in this situation okay well if it's a disease epidemic and then if we help them in that situation well, if it's a war and we've seen multiple examples in star trek both in this show and the original series before of if there's, if there's two you know civilizations at war or two planets at war then they don't intervene because that's their way they have to get over that on their own. Yeah, I, I kind of thought this was a strange argument, personally, in the, in the sense that, you know, he's going, well, you know, if, the, if there's a dictator, is it our responsibility to overthrow it? And and you go, no, but there is, there is a difference between something that the civilization is choosing, not most of them, obviously, but, you know, that is something that's come from their civilization. That is a person doing that act. It's the civilizations and, themselves that have developed that. Right versus a natural disaster you know that like even you know in in our own world we we don't go around overthrowing every sort of dictate don't wrong you know, america might try at points you know but they don't overthrow every single government you know that they disagree with but humanitarian humanitarian aid in natural disasters is is pretty much a given worldwide right it doesn't doesn't matter what the the the, the context of the, the the people in the government is it's just no no, no there was a natural disaster we will provide aid. I mean that logic. That logic makes sense, although it doesn't quite, it doesn't quite work in the context of the Prime Directive, which is something that we do not have, and is there's no equivalent of in the real world. No, no, I get that. It just it felt like strange to say. Well, you know, if if we if we intervene in this, we can do it in other things. Like, well, no, I think natural disasters are you know even by our standards, they're they they're a separate entity of of anything that that is man made. So it, it feels weird that they don't have this kind of clause in there as well. That Okay, no, we can do something with natural disasters. Maybe they, maybe there's something that they do have going forward. I don't know, but uh, it it felt like a weird oversight to me. Maybe this is a, just a different time. Whereas natural, dis- uh, did people help as much in natural disasters in the late eighties? I don't know. I would say so. I, I mean, would assume so, but I'm just since you're bringing it up, I'm just like, yeah, maybe it's, maybe it was different. You had a uh, you had band aid in. Uh, That's true. This is after Live Aid, yeah. The way around, yeah, whatever. Live but, Aid, yeah, Band Aid was yeah. a song. Live Aid is uh, the actual event. Whatever, you know what I meant. Uh, but you know that was after that was then. So true, yeah. true, true, true. I, I'm just, I think it's an interesting debate that comes up. But you know, and but in saying that, ultimately, the white Picard probably gives in 
um, apart from what's about to happen, is because of that distinction, most likely. Like, he can't go down and save them from war, but it is a natural disaster. And he says, look, sorry, Data, but, like, this seems to be the way it's going. And you feel, you feel quite bad, I think, in the scene. And Data's like, Data, you have to, like, cut all communications. So Data goes up to the comms, and he's, like, doing, and he's about to turn it off. But before he's doing that, because he's, he's hooked up to it, it plays, you know, the live feed of, like, her asking for help. And... She's begging. She's begging, please, Data, I need you. I'm scared. And Data's about to press the button to like, cut, just cut the communications. God, just like, damn it. He's like, no, I can't. I can't. Um, and I, I think, you know, and I like the ultimate uh, message at the end where Picard, you know, when Data tries to apologize for everything, we'll get to, like, you know, what, the, all the stuff in between, but when Data tries to apologize, he's like, well, you don't have to apologize. You reminded us that sometimes, sometimes you know, our obligations are beyond what our duty is, kind of thing. That the yeah. you know, we should we should look out for for life forms and people. Um and then also there's a nice little beat where he's like, hey, you regret, you know, and you feel for you regret not being able to be around and that our mind had to be wiped. Uh that regret uh just makes you a bit more human. You know, you you've you've developed a little bit of humanity again uh, throughout this journey. So I like this stuff uh, for the most part. And then the other stuff had some humor in it, you know, like data because they're, so they're trying to contact down to, to, to get her to move her family. Uh, they can't contact her. The, the, what's happening in the plants interfere with all the signals and data requested beam down and Picard's like, oh, no chance. And Raker's like, yeah, you know, you can't do that. He's like, yeah, but sir, you, you told me, you gave me an order to, to give her a message. Is there really much of a difference of going down uh, or you know, doing it in person or sending it over there. And Raker's like, yeah, there's a big difference. You know exactly what the difference is. Uh, dear. Uh, but ultimately, Picard gives in. protocol a little bit. Yeah, well, Picard gives in because it's like, yeah, it's either that or nothing. Like, they can't do anything else. And I love... So so he goes down, he meets uh, Sojanka, and she's... There's a, there's a funny bit in the transport room as well, before they go. Uh, go on. With, with O'Brien, uh... Where you know they they come in and uh, I think it was right. He's like, all right, O'Brien, you know, just just uh, go stand over there. Pretend, pretend he's like, I'll just be having a little nap. And, yeah, uh, yeah. You know, pretends to just doze off in the corner, and then, and then Rag is like, all right, okay, I'm going now. You know what to do. He's like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That was a uh, very refreshing, you know, little, little snooze. Well, there. yeah. Picard tells Raker to manage the uh, the transporter. The idea being that an upper officer should do it because this is this is kind of against the rules. So they'll yeah. take responsibility as the as the you know captain and you know first officer um so now but he goes down he meets her um she's all excited to see him things are getting hairy with the earthquakes so data basically makes the choice to beam back up with her and everything from here was pretty funny i thought because like o'brien's like uh <laughs> uh you know I, I did think it was strangely he called her that at one point that felt a bit mean dehumanizing yeah i felt a bit mean uh he 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 you know because you, you you're taking that to the bridge he's like oh yes <laughs> and he shows up at the bridge and i love that picard's first thought is not god damn it prime directive data you've brought this life form on board his first thing is he turns to raker he's like did he bring a child onto my bridge <laughs> say what you want about picard but he's nothing if not consistent <laughs> and they're all so pissed at me I, I do actually love how awkward the room is like it does genuinely feel uncomfortable um, everyone else in the room knows that this is, shouldn't be happening they're all kind of on edge because of it uh but when troy tries to take her to med bay she won't leave she's scared to leave data's side so eventually picard just has to sort of give in and be like okay you could stay but you know keep her in line data 
uh, do your thing. But they solve the problem. They launch whatever they're launching. You know, the Wesley Science Team have done, and uh, it fixes the planet. And she sees it, and she's like, "Oh, that's my planet!" And she's all happy and mystified. They are to the med bay, and Picard has ordered Pulaski to wipe her memory, um, of of to go up to the ship. Just the recent stuff. Yeah. The recent stuff. Yeah, yeah. The stuff that she's not letting know, and. Uh, little nice bit here where she picks up with a stone that sings and it sings a different little tune for everyone who touches it uh, but it doesn't work for Data because Data's a machine which and I, I almost I almost thought to myself it's almost a shame because he gives this to her because he takes her down she's asleep and he gives it to her and I almost thought, thought no keep this around because one day Data's going to pick that up and it's going to sing Oh no! What a beat that would have been. You, you could it just writes itself that beat. You know, somewhere you know, in, in a few seasons' time. Yeah, I mean, maybe, but, maybe yeah. they get another one. It's not like they said it was a completely, completely rare thing. They can't get more of. No, but... it wasn't unique. It was just like, oh yeah, it's just a thing, right? Yeah. It, 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 she was using it as a paperweight. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. <laughs> like the thes- Tesla orbs from the hit television show Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Jails was using God one as a paperweight. God damn it. Because when uh, Jerry goes to buy one from the magic shop, the guy says that he sells most of them as paperweights because no one knows what they are. <laughs> and then it comes back later when Jails happens to have one that he's using a paperweight. It's a great long-term joke because it's like six episodes apart, but it's a great setup and payoff. It's great. I, I regret opening my mouth sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so good. Quality. Quality. Um, sometimes I, th- I think I'm making it a, a reasonable comment and all, and all that happens is you turn it into a goddamn Buffy reference. You teed that one up for me. That was that was perfection. Uh, so, <laughs> so yeah. So that's basically it. Uh, and Data comes back up and goes to see Picard and tries to apologize. And Picard, you know, despite the fact that he's probably should be very angry about bringing the kid upon the, the bridge, um, he's actually quite understanding. He says, "No, my fr- my officer, my friend." Uh, was troubled and wanted to help something it wouldn't you know it, it bothered him so i needed to help um yep. and then ultimately once he heard the girl's voice he couldn't just let her die um because that's humanity nice yeah it's humanity it's just, just being being a hero damn it um this episode is not particularly loved as i understand it um and it's not the, i mean and it's not the best episode I, I think um the wesley stuff drags it down a little bit but um, i do like all the debates that come from the data side of things I think it's it's all right. I don't think I like it quite as much as you. As I had you know a couple of nitpicks in the debates that felt just a bit off for me, and you know it, it's not terrible by any means. It's far from the worst stuff in this show. It's it's just very you know middling for me. That's fair. Um, I'd, I'd probably put it above a lot of season one, like probably most of season one. I think for me, it's kind of on par with a lot of season one. Personally, yeah, that's fair. I mean, it's again, not. Not the the really bad stuff in season one, but you know the stuff that was just yeah, this is yeah. okay, it's fine. Uh, this kind of feels like more of that for me. It's a solid seven for me. Solid seven. Yeah, you know, I'm not saying it's great, but it's you know, there's some good stuff in there. Um, but that said, next time, next time we have what the rating on IMDb promises to be a step up. Um, it's called <laughs> Q Who. Oh, is it a Q episode? It's a Q episode. Yeah, yeah, we're we'll get Q back because uh, we had them twice in season one, right? It's the start and then one Somewhere later on. About two thirds in, I think. Uh, somewhere in the middle, it was where he wanted Riker to be his yeah, yeah. officer or whatever. Maybe that was slightly earlier than I'm remembering, but yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I think it was. I want to say it was like maybe even still single digits, honestly. Really? I mean, my memory is a is. I could be wrong, just but playing tricks on me, but quite. Possibly. There was twenty six episodes. It's hard to keep them all. 
Yeah, uh, I mean, track. ultimately, it doesn't really matter. There was definitely two. Yeah, it was it was before the the puddle for sure. I could tell you that much. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, so Q who, um, and like I say, very high average rate on IMDb. Uh, Go on. For episode, it's got nine point Ooh, exciting. So should be a good one. Uh, but I actually read the description for this already because I, when I was looking last time, I think I intentionally read it. Uh, Q tries to prove to Picard. Uh, sorry, Q tries to prove that Picard needs him as part of their crew by hurling the Enterprise seven thousand light years away, where they encounter <clears throat> the Borg for the first time. Oh, okay. Sounds like a big deal. <laughs> it, it it does, doesn't it? I will say I am glad we're getting the first Borg appearance before we get to Picard the TV show, which is coming relatively yeah. soonish. Uh, just, just for some uh, context. I mean, I've seen first contact, so I have some context anyway. But like, just in the context I of the I'm shows, I'm familiar with you know what the Borg are, just because. But yeah, but it's nice to get the first appearance at least before. No, it is. We're it doing. Is. Yeah, you know, I know the general concept, but I've no, I've never watched anything with them. Yeah, so that's next time. Should be, should be good. So, um, yep. Yeah, uh, let us know what you thought of this episode of Star Trek: The Next Generation. In the comments below. Like and subscribe, ding the bell on YouTube, get yourself the notifications on YouTube. Uh, you can, of course, support us by rating the podcast on Apple Podcasts, give us five stars and a review, helps where people find us. You can financially support us over at patreon.com slash TV. You do that for as little as $1 per month and get some bonuses, some extra, some outtakes. So the $5 to you get early access to some stuff, including these these Star Trek reviews. So go and have a look at that if you want to. Uh, get us on the Twitters at mail underscore fuzz for channel updates. But otherwise, that is us. So thank you once again for watching or listening. We always appreciate it. Keep watching Star Trek, guys. And to everyone but Connor, live long and prosper.